0: You for listening to City Hill Dubai podcast. A video format of this series is also available on our YouTube channel, City Hill Dubai. I hope you're doing really well and I hope you've had a really good week. If you don't know me, my name is Isaac and this will be the first time I'm preaching at City Hill today. I'm really excited. I don't know about you, but let's get started. Uh, today, we're going to be continuing our series in Kingdom culture. I'm going to be preaching on the message of the kingdom I'm going to be doing that with the help of a, of a verse in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10. We'll get to that in a little while, but I really want to first set the tone for what we're going to be talking about and really explain a little bit what we mean when I talk about the kingdom of God. See, if you talk, ask the average person what Jesus' teaching was, they might say his teachings were, were about being a good person or about uh, improving yourself morally. And, you know, some of these things are there, you know, but... The central teachings of Jesus was summarized in Matthew chapter four, verse seventeen, when it summarized Jesus' entire teaching, and it, and these were Jesus' first words recorded in uh, the New Testament, and it says, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand." And these are significant words, you know. I think the, Jesus' first words, or the summary of all of Jesus' teaching, are extremely important. Uh, similarly, Jesus' last words in Matthew chapter twenty-eight are recorded as saying. Therefore, go into all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded with you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because I am with you until the very end of days. His first words, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. His last words, therefore, go into all nations. This is really one story. These are not two separate things. And today, I want to take you on that journey from beginning to end. And that's the journey I want to take you on. Before we do that, I want to um, explain a little bit what we mean when we talk uh, when I talk about the kingdom of God and give a, a different defi- definition of the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom is uh, it's made of two words: king and dominion. Dominion uh, meaning sovereignty. And what I want to uh, define the kingdom of God as is a place where God is number one. Andre as well already gave us a very helpful definition of the kingdom of God when he said the realm in which the in which the will of God is fulfilled. I think that's an extremely helpful definition as well. So we're going to get into our chapter today, which is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. And how we're going to look at it is from three angles. We're going to look at the message of the past, the message of the present, and the message of the future. You see, the message of the past tells us maybe about where we were before or maybe where we still are. We're going to explore this very quickly. And before we do, I want to read the first three verses. Like I mentioned, we're going to look at the message of the past, the present, and the future and I think we see all of that in these uh, these 10 verses. I didn't mention it before, but this is probably my favorite uh, 10 verses in the Bible. It's impactful, it's punchy, and it gives such a beautiful picture of who God is and what he's done for us and where we are. And I think it summarizes uh, the gospel message so, so well for us. Let's read the first three verses. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 for now. And we'll read the rest of the verses later. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That, I don't know about you, but for me, that presents a pretty bleak picture of where we were and who we are. That's not a picture I like to think of as, you know, I like to think that I've had a good relationship with God, but that presents a pretty bleak picture for the most of us and one of the first things that we see in this passage is that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Now this is a letter written by Paul to the church in Ephesus and we know that he is writing to people that are very much alive at this point in time. They're not people who are dead. So the first question we have to ask ourselves is what does he mean when he says you were dead? Because like I mentioned these people are, are very much alive and we, we see that if you look back into the Old Testament, that when God created man, he created mankind to live for eternity and to be in perfect harmony and relationship with God and to walk with God. And that's, a, a, that's really exciting, to the fact to think that man could walk alongside God. Uh, but we see that Adam and Eve, they sinned in, in Genesis chapter 2. We see that Adam and Eve sinned and they fell. And that harmony was broken and God says that they had died. But they didn't die immediately and what the Bible is referring to then and in this case is a sort of spiritual death which is a sort of dis- a sort of con- disconnection from God. And that's the death that the Bible is referring to over here and that Paul is referring to over here. And understanding that, you see, one thing I want to say is that, you see, when people are, uh, are dead, uh, there's not very much they can do for themselves at that point in time. Me, personally, I'm a very big fan of the Euros and I'm watching the Euro 2020 at the moment. Thankfully, my team, Spain, they're still in. I don't know if you're watching it, but maybe you are. But if you are watching it, you'll know early in the tournament in the game Denmark versus Finland, uh, midway through the first half, there was a serious incident where one of the Danish players, a man named Christian Eriksen, he fell down without contact. Uh, No one was really sure what happened at that point in time, but he fell down And he had a cardiac arrest. His heart stopped beating for a moment. And uh, thanks to his captain and the the great medical staff, they were able to give him CPR and resuscitate him and bring him back to life. But you see, at that point in time, Christian Erickson, the man who had a cardiac arrest, there really was nothing he could do to save himself. He had to rely on the support of his captain, the medical staff to bring him back to life. And that's really the point. One of the things I want to pull out from this, you see, the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. A dead person can't do anything to help themselves. They really need someone else to come in and help them. And that's the analogy that I'm trying to bring across. The Bible also says, you know, that we we're carrying out our fleshly desires and that we were in an act of rebellion against God. Now, me, I've got a beautiful 11-month uh, niece and she's going to be turning 12, uh, 12 months, a year soon. And we're really excited about that. But you see, one thing about my niece is even at 11 months old, she's not even a year old, she knows how to disobey. You see, she loves touching switches and fans and wires and cables and we know these sort of things aren't good for her. And if we tell her not to touch those things, she will look at at us with a beautiful, beautiful smile and guess where the fingers go. They go straight for the wire, straight for the switch, straight for the fan. She wants to touch these things. At 11 months old, even then she has this rebellious nature. You see, we're born with that in us. And it continues right throughout. If you've got teenagers, I'm sure you'll say, Amen and amen. I've been through that phase relatively recently myself. Um, you know, we all have that. Continues right with us throughout um, our adult life as well. It's not something that changes. You, it's innate to us. And you know, you might be asking yourself, you know, you know, the Bible says, "I'm dead in our trespasses and sins." And you know, scary word is that we were by nature children of wrath. That God's wrath was turned towards us, and that's a scary picture. And you might say, you know, what? I I don't see myself as this. I don't see that is the place where I'm in and maybe maybe but I'd encourage you uh I want to encourage you with this as well that see the bible says that uh 99.9 percent isn't good enough for God God's standard in regards to sin is a hundred percent you know at a point in the bible it says that if you've passed at all points of the law but you've missed a one point you know one point even point one percent if you have missed, we fail the entire law and that's God's standard and that's perfection and we see that Adam and Eve failed that and ever since then all mankind has failed that. And the consequence of sin is felt with devastating effect in the world around us. I mean, we just need to look at the world around us, the sadness, the death, the destruction that we see in some parts of the world to see the world around us is broken, it's fallen, it's not as it should be. And that's the state of mankind. And until now, like I mentioned, this is a pretty bleak picture. It's a pretty depressing picture. And um, you know, the Bible could have ended here. Uh, you know, you could, could have had these first three verses and God says, thank you very much. Uh, chapter over, story over. I created man, they rebelled against me. Let's end the story over here. Probably this brings us to the probably the two most important words, two most powerful punchy words in the Bible. But God being rich in mercy. The, the emphasis being on those two words, you know. But God and thankfully that that's that's where we, we continue this story. And that leads us to verse four. I want to continue with, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. And we're going to hold over here for a while. We'll get to verse 10 in a bit. I just want to pick up on a few things um, in these few verses. You see, if you've been around churches for any length of time, you'll know. You've heard many times through Sunday school and right through church, you know, God loves us, God loves us. That's probably not a concept that's new for you. But I want to bring it across to you today with hopefully a slightly different angle. If you would indulge me and close your eyes for a second, I want to paint a picture for you. You see in the Gospels, I'll pick the book of Luke, we see that Jesus, one of the first things Jesus did when he started his ministry is he went to get baptized. And as he was being baptized, as he came up from the water, we see that a voice was there from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now picture this, instead of God saying that to Jesus, he is saying that to you. In Psalm 149 verse 4 it is, we see that God says of his people, I am well pleased. I have great pleasure in them. And God says it of you. you know, we know that God loves us, but do you realize that God looks at you and says, my son, I am well pleased in you. My daughter, I am well pleased in you. When God sees us who are in Christ Jesus, he looks at us and says, I'm well pleased in you. I don't know about you, but for me, that just blows my mind because only I know the depths of my sin. Only I know the things I've done and and all of that. And yet God can look at me when I'm in Christ Jesus and say, I am well pleased in you. And that's only because of the amazing thing that Jesus has done for us on the cross. You see, on the cross, uh, we see that over here, that even while we're dead in our trespasses, Jesus came, he laid down his life. Like I mentioned before, that that perfect record that God required of that 100% record, Jesus gives us that perfect record, that 100% record. He gives it to us and takes our record on the cross. And, you know, he, he gives us his righteousness. And that's what we really see on the cross. You see, we like to say or we like to think that, you know, salvation is free. But I want to put across to you that salvation is, in fact, extremely costly. It's just that the price was not paid by you. The cost of salvation was the life of God's own son, whom he sent so that we can live And, you know, that's what I want to put across to you today, that salvation is costly and God's paid the price. You can have that salvation, you know. And we also like to say that, uh, you know, God helps those who help themselves. But that's not what we see over here. You see, because the Bible says, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God doesn't say, you clean up your act and then you come to me and then maybe I'll think about saving, you know, you, know, you submit an application and then I'll think about saving you. See, I'm stuck in India at the moment uh, because of COVID. I came here on a short holiday. And for me to get my second dose, of the vaccine to return back to the I need to submit an application. They look at the merits and they look at the my job status. And then based on that, they will they will either approve or reject me getting an urgent um, dose of the second vaccine because an urgent dose 28 days Otherwise, it's 84 days and I've got to get a job back to you. Not the point. God says, I'm not looking at that. I'm not waiting for you to sort out your life. I don't need that perfect record. I'm giving you that perfect record while you're dead in your trespasses and sins. You don't have and to do anything to earn it. And that's the beauty of what God's done for us. God's done for us. Um, the, the word grace, you know, the, we see over here that we've been saved by grace through faith. And the word grace, you know, if you want to understand what that really means, it's God's righteousness at Christ's expense. That's uh, an acronym we use sometimes to explain the word grace. It's God's righteousness freely given to us at the expense of Christ. Like I mentioned, the price was paid, but the price was paid. By Christ. We also see that we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. What a beautiful picture that even now you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places is a guarantee that you know God has saved you and you are seated with Christ. That's an exciting picture because the King of Heaven, the King of all earth, and you are seated with Him, you are with Him. That's a guarantee that we see in these verses. And these verses are beautiful. We've just come off the back of the first three verses, you know, and painted such a bleak picture. But what we see over here has a beautiful picture portrayed where we've been saved by grace through faith by God and his mercy. The only reason we've been saved is by the mercy of God. And he's given us this faith freely, uh, you know, based on no merit. He's given us this faith based on his grace and his grace alone. And this faith, it's not the faith that God can heal. Yes, uh, we do believe that. Um, Recently, my mom uh, came out of hospital from a really serious condition. We, you know, we do believe God can heal it. It's known also the belief that God can um, provide for us monetarily. We do believe that, yes, that God can provide monetarily. The Bible says, you know, don't worry if anything, these things God will provide. But no, the faith that it's talking about here is the faith for salvation. And that's salvation in Christ alone, that we're not saved by our good works. We're saved by Jesus and by what he's done for the, us on the cross. And that alone is what saves us. On the cross, we see a beautiful coming together of the love of God and His justice, that justice was done, that sin was dealt with. But we also see the beauty of loves, of God's love for us, that He sent His only Son so that we may have eternal life. And I want to continue on from here to the message of the future. You see, um, we, we come to verse 10 where it says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God calls us as we are. We've seen that already. He loves us as we are. And we've seen that. Um, but he also calls us to good works. But good works don't lead to salvation. There is a link between good works and salvation. But it is not a cause and effect wherein good works lead to salvation. No. In, in fact, it is switched the other way around. You know, Salvation is the cause. We are saved by God, by grace, through faith. Because, because of the great love with which uh, God loves us and in turn we love him. We do. It is a, a, a love response, not a response, not an act, not an action to gain God's love or gain God's favor. It is from a secured position of having His love. and I just want to highlight that for us as well. But there are works that God has prepared for us and that's where I want to spend the rest of this time today looking at the works that God has uh, planned for us. And the first thing I want to look at is our sanctification, which is the process by which God makes us more and more into the image of His Son. You see, as we are transformed, as we submit our lives to God and put our faith in God there, begins a lifelong process which by which God turns more and more into the image of His Son. You see, God created us to be reflections of God to the entire creation. And as we've sinned, we fell so far from that. You see, we are meant to be reflections of God and as we become, uh, as we walk more and more with God on day to day basis, we see God shaping our character, changing us. You know, we call this the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. You know, mentioning a few of these, we grow in these things. We become, as we grow in these things, we become more and more like Jesus, like like God the Father. We we resemble these characteristics to the world around us, and that's really important and. You know, as I'll talk about in a little bit, but we cannot separate sanctification from our mission as well. Matthew 28, go into all nations. No, because we live in a day and age today where our lives are things that first speak about our mission. If we want to talk to people about Jesus, we need to live like that first. And that's, that's really important. We cannot separate sanctification from our mission to tell people about Jesus. Those two things go hand in hand. But you see, when we talk about uh, Matthew 28, you know, the Great Commission, you know, if you hear people talk about mission, that's one of the first verses they'll use the, the Great Commission. Jesus says, go into all nations. And for us living in the Bible, we've got such a beautiful opportunity to do that because we literally have all the nations coming to you. But even if we don't, you know, maybe you're listening to this from a different country or maybe in your workplace or where you study, you have people from one nation. Not, you know what God says? The nations are people, people groups. Um, It's not just countries. The Bible is referring to people groups over here. The emphasis is on telling all people of God and what he's done for us on the cross. You see, as we realize the impact of that, we're motivated. It's not a fear response. We're motivated. The question is, how can we not tell people of what God has done for us? It's almost we're so excited about something you want to tell people about that. You see, your passions will be the things you talk about and this should be one of the things we're passionate about, something we're excited about. I want to ask you that question, are you excited about the gospel and excited about God? Uh, what God's done for you? Maybe today pray, God, get me excited about the gospel again, get me excited about my salvation again, get me excited about you again. I want to be excited about that, but it's not just mission. There, uh, I want to highlight something else for us as well today, you know. Uh, what we see in the pattern of the early church, you know, they spread the gospel. They told people about Jesus. And they saw many come to faith. And I pray that for us, that we would see many people put their faith in Christ. But we also see that they cared uh, practically for those around them. You know? And that's one, something else that I want to highlight for us today. Again, when we're looking at this thing of good works, that there's social action that God is calling us to, to have an impact on our city. Um, it's not just of, of salvation. no God's calling us to have an impact in the city and I want to ask you that question today and I want to encourage you to ask the question yourself are there things that God is calling you to do to have an impact in the place you're in in terms of whatever it may be of having an, we can all have an impact in terms of social action. God's calling us to have this sort of impact. I'm not sure what that may be for you. Um, but for me sometimes it means just you know helping out uh, helping out some of my friends maybe less fortunate, Simple ways, you know, uh, maybe we can't all change the world, but we can all make uh, small, a small impact in the lives of people around us. And those are significant. And don't discount that. Um, in Dave Devnish's book on uh, what on earth is the church for? He says, God has a plan, a glorious plan for his end time church, a church which expresses the life of God as a community and demonstrates the kingdom or rule of God as a city set on a hill in every nation, city, and village that comes through both things, you know, hand in hand, the mission and social action, both these things, as we reflect these so well to our society, we reflect that in in true emphasis what the kingdom of God is. We see this, you know, if you want to look, look at Acts 2, I think it's chapter 42, where we see that they sold everything they have. That's radical giving to support their community. You want to call us that, you know, to be radical and caring for those around us. Yes, with salvation, but also practically with uh, the sort of things that have an impact on their practical lives on a day-to-day basis that brings me to my conclusion now it's not a very long preach but uh, in conclusion to this preach you know i want to highlight something the message of the kingdom is a message that calls us to action and i want to ask i want to encourage you to ask the question what is the action that god is calling me to today and i want to highlight again you know the picture which i shared earlier that it is an action of it is a response out of the love of god the picture i share you know god looks at you he says my son my daughter in you i am well pleased regardless of what you've done or what you do. I'm well pleased in you and with you. And that is how God sees us. I'm not sure how you see yourself, but the the message of the kingdom is one that calls us to action. Maybe today you haven't put your faith in Christ yet. Um, And I encourage you today, consider Christ, consider what he's done for us, what he's done for you on the cross. He came, the king of, All earth of heaven and earth came and laid down his life so that you may walk in relationship uh, with him. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says that uh, Joshua spoke with God face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And you you can have that. You know, you can speak with the creator of all of heaven and all of earth as as you speak with a friend face to face like I'm speaking to you right now. You can have that relationship. That's what God came to do, to restore that relationship. You can have that and consider that today. Maybe you've been saved for many, many years and you're asking, well, what does this have to do with me? I want to encourage you today uh, to ask the question, What is? what are the things God's calling me today? Maybe there's certain aspects of your character where God's challenging you and shaping you. And it is a painful process as God shapes us. You know, We'll see in the Bible that the way God defines our character being refined is by an iron, iron being sharpened, that's not a simple, that's not a painless process. That's a grinding process. It's a challenging process. What is that today? Is there a way God's challenging you? Maybe God's challenging you to gain, pick up the passion for mission of seeing people who don't know him get to know him. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm much more a fan of the, where the mission of God is for every person. It's not just for select few. You know, We like to think maybe just for the evangelists. No, maybe the evangelists have a special gifting for evangelism, but evangelism is for all of us. It's not just for the select few. You know, God's calling us to have an impact and to tell people about to live in a way that demonstrates the love of Christ, the kindness and gentleness of Christ to the world around us. Maybe God's calling you to have an impact on your society um, through our community pillar. We've done some phenomenal work, uh, Katie and uh, Auntie Susie have done some phenomenal work uh, with, you know, wellness of, taking, of talking to people about how we can improve the quality of our mental well-being or improve the practical things. Um, it's uh, city care we we've been caring for people maybe get on this initiative and support this initiative but maybe there are other initiatives the point is you know supporting uh that and you know, god's calling us to these things as well um i want to end with a story you see um i mentioned the, the beginning of verse four was so punchy so powerful but god and for us uh, maybe there's a moment that God's calling today see for me uh if you know uh, me you know my parents moving to the philippines and as they embarked on that journey, it brought me to a challenging point at, uh, along that journey where at one point my visa had expired and it expired for a few months and I wasn't able to renew it because there were some challenges with work. And because of those challenges, my bank account was on the verge of being shut. And in, in the midst of all of that, my parents planning and packing to move to the Philippines, I had to decide, do I now for the first time in what, maybe 25 years now, do I look for my own apartment or do I go into a sharing apartment and not really sure what to do. And I didn't have a, even a visa to get a tenancy contract in spite of all these things. And I tried everything to get the visa. I tried different options. I tried all the routes to get my visa sorted. But every point I came to a dead end. And nothing would work. And I remember very distinctly of talking to a friend. I came to a point where I remember speaking to God. I was sitting in my car and I said, God, I've got nothing. I've tried everything. Nothing has worked. I'm incredibly frustrated. You have to do something. Otherwise, this is not just just not going to happen. And something happened. It didn't happen that second. But something did happen. My peace was renewed. Um, Thankfully, my bank account didn't get shut because I was able to renew my visa and submit my visa to the bank. And I found a beautiful apartment. Uh, I'm living in India at the moment. That's a different story. But I found a beautiful apartment where I can live in. Point is, there was a God moment where I had where I had these challenges, but God came through for me. There was a moment where I had to say, you know, God, I'm trusting in you for this. I, I don't have, and you know, sometimes God will bring us to that point of saying, God, I've tried everything. I don't have, I don't have anywhere to go, but to trust in you. And that's when God comes through. You know, I'm not advocating not doing things, not doing something But you know, if, if you find yourself in a situation, try your best, trust God. Sometimes God will allow you to be in that situation. Maybe God's got, you have, you have, you're in that situation today that encourage you today. Put your faith in Christ, you know, the big things, your salvation. Put your faith in Christ for the small things, you know, something as simple as your visa and you'll see the way God comes through for you today. I want to encourage you uh, to, after the service, there'll be an opportunity for prayer. If, um, as I was speaking, you want, uh, you felt God speaking to you about putting your faith in him or you just want to know more about that. What is this faith we're talking about and what is Jesus and he's in for us on the cross. Want to know more about that message consider that today, you know, there'll be an option to get on Zoom later and talk to someone about that. If God's calling you maybe to mission or uh, to some sort of social action, you want to pray with someone or talk with someone through that, you know, get on Zoom with us a little later on and someone will be there and happy to talk you through that. Um, for me, uh, that's it for today. Thank you so much, uh, City Hill. Lots of love.